Have you ever got a call out of the blue from a good friend who asked the burning question, Hey, what are you doing tonight? And you sheepishly go, well, trying to figure out what their angle is. Nothing. Hey, I got two tickets to Elvis Costello, Queen, Joni Mitchell, Zeppelin. Well, that's what this session with our conversation with Bill is about. We both had experiences where we got calls out of the blue to go see a concert that ended up being one of the greatest concerts we ever saw. We talk about those moments and concert venues as our conversation with Bill continues, part two. I mean, but just I, name a few bands that you saw that... But I, I think my second favorite one next to that was okay. uh, We Saw the Wall, Pink Floyd Do the oh, Wall. Oh, man. That was... That was big time. That was at the, uh, the L.A. Coliseum. Wow. No, that was the I show. I back. Wasn't it was it the Coliseum? Sports Arena. It was for, it's where the Lakers originally played. Right, right. Before they went to the Forum, and then they right. moved from the Forum I, to Staples. I've got one Sports Arena story. But, but uh, yeah, we I saw Pink Floyd there. They did the wall. Actually, what, I saw Pink Floyd. It's a there great twice. place. It's a it's a great place. It was. Now it's not there anymore. Yeah. Now it's some soccer field or something, a stadium. They oh, completely rededicated because the you know the dynamics of the neighborhood have completely changed, mm -hmm. and uh, and the Olympics I, are coming to town, so they want yep. to get ready. For yeah, because it was uh, uh, the the. Um, the sports arena was, you're right, it was the original home of the Lakers and the L.A. Kings or the Blades. I don't remember what they Blades, were called. Yeah. I think they were called the Blades yeah. first. And um, I actually saw a hockey game there when I was, I don't remember what the occasion was. I was young. Mm -hmm. I was probably junior high, you know, went with somebody's family. Yeah, I got tickets. You want to go? You know, one of those things. Mm -hmm. But out of the blue, this is back in the early 80s. Um, I was at the pet store. This is the Pasadena era. And my best friend, who I very seldom weird, it's weird. I think because we had women in our lives, we would go to the concerts with them. Sure. Um, but I, Greg was his name, uh, is his name. <laughs> and uh, we went to a few concerts together in the, younger, in the earlier days. But Greg calls me out of the blue at work. And he goes, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> this is one of those, mm -hmm. who wants to go to a concert stories with uh, Blue Oyster Cult? And I said, uh, I'm in Pasadena. He's out working for Hughes Aircraft, mm -hmm. uh, that big campus there. And I don't even know, we'll call it Fullerton. And I don't know what. He goes, Annette, who was his girlfriend, later married, has got 103 fever and I got two tickets for Springsteen. You want to go? And I honestly have never been a huge Springsteen fan. I appreciate him a lot. And I love Clarence Clemens. And, and the, but I went to the concert and the river had just come out, that double album. So the, he was big time, you know, Cadillac Ranch. And, you know, all, I mean, there's at least a dozen songs off that album mm -hmm. that the river and, and that too. Prove It All Night. I don't know if that's on that album. But I mean, every song I had heard of him, he, by him he played that night mm -hmm. and it was a total unexpected deal and we saw springsteen at the sports arena oh okay and he was he was the boss he was great i mean i i didn't have to pay i just had to go along 
And I forever have been, you know, Greg and I kind of had a trade-off. He took me to that concert, and I got tickets for a Lakers championship. We're getting off music here. Yeah. Uh, in 1982, the beginning of the Magic Johnson era, the very towards the beginning, I think he was there before then, uh, the Lakers played the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs. And... They were the Lakers were pretty dominant. They were up three games to two. Game six was back at the forum. And I knew this was our chance. This is my one chance to see not only a big game, but to put out some money, a championship game. Mm-hmm. And it was we got fifteen rows up the loge, up the main there's a main one main aisle that went around the forum. And it was the colonnade or the loge. We were 15 rows up in the colonnade on the baseline Mm -hmm. for the game. And they won the game. But the thing was... It must have been exciting. When you walked in that night, there I've never experienced this, Bill, anywhere. Uh, Even at a concert. Except that moment when the lights drop. That moment the lights drop, there's always that... (gasps) That you get that gasp of oh man here we go. Yeah, get but ready. <laughs> Greg and I walked into the forum for the umpteenth time because we'd seen concerts there and I'd seen the Lakers there too. There was this energy. This was like a pulse. It sounds crazy, but I walked in and I can remember Greg and I looked at each other and I go, "Do you feel that?" And he went, "Yeah, what the hell is that?" Mm-hmm. It was just the energy. The what do you want to say? Karma. The spirit the fans were all pumped and it was just in the air mm-hmm. and the game was tight all the way until like six minutes left in the game and the lakers went on like a 10 to or 12 to 2 run mm-hmm. and blew it open a little bit and then the crowd got crazy the energy and the cheering like you see in these games yeah. but to be there yeah it was a, a there was a presence there that yeah. night and i've never felt it anywhere well, it's like a going to a rock concert versus watching one on television it's oh yeah it, it's just all together <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you could say how sports are different watching them live or on yeah. television i actually like basketball better on television <laughs> basketball is actually kind of slow if you can imagine that i went to enough laker games mainly because my dad i saw the losing years with jerry west and elgin baylor back then mm-hmm. um I even saw Will Chamberlain play, yeah. um, and I was heartbroken, you know, in the New York Knicks and Willis Reed and got was hurt, and then he hobbles onto the court. He wasn't even supposed to play, and the Knicks came from behind and won, and then they be, end up beating the Lakers. I cried after that championship loss, really? and so years later, when Magic Johnson made that little baby hook mm-hmm. over McHale and Parrish, that just it washed all that away. <laughs> it was just i'll never forget that moment but i digress but that was the greg greg connection he he got took me to springsteen which i never and the laker tickets were to end that story were 35 dollars a ticket now in 1982 that was a lot of money yeah, heck yeah. the next season or two the lakers played boston they won five championships in the 80s. They didn't. They played more, but they won five. So they lost a couple of them. I mean, it was something crazy like that. Out of 10 years, they were in the finals seven years or something close to that. They, maybe it wasn't always the finals, but they were in the playoffs, we'll say. Yeah. 
And then when the Celt when it was the Celtics, that thirty-five dollar ticket was five hundred dollars. That's when games I can almost mark it on the calendar. In the mid eighties, sporting events were no not affordable anymore. Yeah. It they just they just went through the roof. You know, it it wasn't even scalpers. It was just like Yeah, I, I think music was pretty much the same way. It's, yeah. Is is when the uh Ticket agencies uh, started buying up all the good seats, and if you wanted to have a good seat, yeah, you know the ticket might have like a twenty dollar price on it, but you you know you're paying a hundred bucks for it, right? And that yeah. that really took the fun out of it, yeah. And you know, in the early days, like at the Swing Auditorium, uh, like the first concerts, it was so fun. It was so informal. It's like going to the going to a movie. You know, you go, well, we would either go to Lyle's or, or Lear's and get our ticket and get a ride there somehow or another. Uh, I used to go a lot with a buddy of mine, Dale, and when we got a little bit older, we used to hitchhike uh, down E Street. Wow. And that's when, you know, it was relatively safe. <laughs> To right. do that. I, I never had the chute spot to, or, to hitchhike. Or we knew somebody who had an older brother that would be willing to give us a ride. and Or ask mom and dad to drive us down there and drop us off yeah. a couple blocks away. Mm-hmm. So did you ever come to concerts in L.A.? I mean, did you go? Or uh, even the small, we haven't even talked about smaller venues like the Greek Theater, you know. there was, uh, there was and No, the, not really. Universal Studios actually... Mm-hmm. I've like the Coliseum or the sports arena. Yeah. We were there. Um, I saw the Wiltron a couple of years ago. I saw a band called uh, Band of Skulls there. My, I went with my the sons. That was, I know that, that was area fun, well. That was a fun concert. Um, I actually, actually saw Jeff Lutz Probably about once. the last major concert that I was that I saw. Yeah. And uh, and we saw the Who of their fiftieth anniversary, and we wow. saw that in Anaheim. Okay. And that, that was right around the same time. It's been probably three years ago, four years ago. That was a good show, too. I was really impressed. Um, yeah. They put a lot into the this, this stage, the presence, the lighting. Yeah, I remember in the, in, the eight, it, in the 80s, the lighting started to get more digital-like. Mm-hmm. They had these <laughs> mechanical-like, I should say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, Robin and I just were talking the other day about, remember the offshoots from rock music pop rock laserium did they ever have laserium out here it was at griffith park observatory i I think they may have had something in riverside yeah the uh, college they they may have had something and i think it had something to do with pink floyd dark side of the moon yeah yeah Um, anything with interesting sound but laserium was really a hot ticket for a long time uh, at the griffith park observatory in the dome inside kind of uh during a Mid seventies, yeah, uh, 80s. yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think I'd heard something about it, but seventies, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to remember because, like you were saying, you know, not only did tickets get harder to get because Ticketron, Ticket Ticketmaster, Ticketron. I think it was Ticketron. Mm-hmm. And then it changed names. It's Ticketmaster now. Mm-hmm. Um, we could, if you were the first ten people in line, it was that tight mm-hmm. in Whittier, you could get a decent seat. You could get a couple seats. After that, they were in the rafters. Yeah. Um, and but we always managed to get tickets that way. We always did. You know, whatever we had to do, somebody would go get them. Mm-hmm. The only time we went to the box office 
is I really wanted to see the Moody Blues. Seven Sojourn had come out, and the Moody Blues were playing like one or two nights at the Forum. And I had got turned on to the Moody Blues by another best friend. And I said, Paul, we got to go. He goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> this is, I don't know. This is high school. Paul cut class and drove down to Long Beach. No, no, I think it was the Forum. It was the Forum. Drove to the box office by himself. I didn't have the balls to cut class. I would have gotten in big trouble. Sure. And he got two seats. They weren't great seats. They were at the far end, you know, the other curved end up in the colonnade. I mean, it was a long ways away, but we were there. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any big screens, but the sound back there actually was better. That was a problem with the forum, the sound. If you had good seats, like in the first third of the way back or something, I didn't sit on the floor very often. I was always on the sides. And uh, the sound would echo. It would bounce. And you could hear an echo sometimes and it would it sucked it was really affected the sound but when we sat way out there for the moody's i remember going you know the one good thing about sitting here paul is you can hear better <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, swing auditorium i was gonna mention you know the seating how it was so wide and not really deep that's great um i remember uh, uh first few concerts we went to we tried to get up real close and i remember the the sound wasn't that great. It was kind of distorted, um, loud, and not really that enjoyable. And then for some reason mm-hmm. or another, we went, sat in the back. And the mixer board, we sat right behind the mixer board. And said, huh. You know, it, it's, it's got to sound good here because this is where all the right. operations are going on. <laughs> and we sat right there. And, gosh, we every chance we got from then on out, we sat right behind the mixer board wow and uh, wow. we could yeah. you know like when we saw emerson like and palmer a uh, journey open for him original journey we were talking this afternoon about right journey right with uh, greg raleigh he was the lead yeah. singer yeah and uh that was the good old days <laughs> that, i think that was the fullest i've ever seen the swing auditorium was that concert yeah. emerson like and palmer and journey it's when they wow. were do, you know um journey hadn't got really big commercially yet and emerson lake and palmer was doing the works album and that's kind of all the the three musicians were kind of doing their own thing with works right um right uh yeah Greg trying Lake to shoot was, i think his big song at the time was say la vie yep it was kind of a french and he was he always had a little solo where he'd do lucky man and say la vie and i don't know but, uh, i don't think he ever did from the beginning live i saw elp Yes and Queen, like three or four times each. Really? Other than that, it was, you know, I saw Jethro Tull once. I saw so-and-so once. Uh, I saw Elvis Costello. At the the Greek theater, we saw a lot of artists like that. My wife, I got got tickets so my wife could see Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. She was amazing. Um, Yes. One of the the first concerts I saw at the swing was uh, Led Zeppelin. And my buddy, uh, Mike, he was really into Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, <laughs> you know, yeah, they're good. You know, I wasn't really big on them right. at the time. Um, but Grand Funk had come out about the same time. Oh, my. I really like Grand Funk. Wow. And so this concert was promoted. Grand Funk was going to open for Zeppelin. Wow. 
that's going to be the concert of, <laughs> you know, forever. Yeah, and this is one of our first. I think it was like in 69. Mm-hmm. And we got the tickets. And probably a week and a half, maybe two weeks, they said, well, Grand Funk is not going to be performing uh, next band to be announced. And I was really bummed. I was really depressed. Wow. And I, I just kind of got a chip on my shoulder. I said, man, I'm not going to like this concert at all. I'm angry. <laughs> Grand Funk isn't going to You know, they never said why. But it came out later. Um, Led Zeppelin didn't want him opening because they're too damn good. <laughs> no, that because that happened with I think Jethro Tull. They well, opened for Zeppelin, and then Zeppelin yes. vowed they were never going to have an opening act again. Yeah, that's the concert. We went. His band comes out. This guy comes out and starts playing this acoustic thing. Yawner. Yeah. And then the band jumps in, and then he uh, puts his guitar down, walks over, picks up a flute, stands on one leg. You and... saw that concert, yeah? Because Ian Anderson, boy, he's. We saw the War Child tour yeah. way later. I wish I would have gone earlier. Yeah, because the songs they did, I didn't recognize any of them because they were so fresh. Yeah, and. We were just amazed. Yeah. I was, wow. wow. Who is who, this guy? Who is this? <laughs> and they you were all great. Seen anything like that. This guy's a stork. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, on that one leg yeah. and, and and the way he'd play and his facial expression and, and breathing through the flute and, mm-hmm. and not only flute but guitar. I love him on a guitar. Yeah, he plays really, with such passion. He's such a good musician. Yeah, he's he's yeah. Zeppelin came out. Oh, they were horrible. <laughs> you said that. Was there something wrong? Was the sound wrong they or something? Were, they were so loud. They were so distorted. They, yeah. It didn't sound like the um, the vocal PA was in sync with the instruments. Yeah. And something was way off. You know, you're, you're just, <laughs> wow, this is supposed to be good. <laughs> yeah, wow. And, it's hard to believe because... Uh, but then, you know, in... Uh, our respect for Led Zeppelin, and you know, they—I did see them a couple times later, and they were so much better than the first time. Um, yeah. Oh actually, yeah, I'm sure. I, I saw them once in Portland, and I saw them again at the Swing Auditorium, maybe a couple years later, and it was just a total difference in the show. Yeah, I. But, I uh, saw Zeppelin physical graffiti tour, I think. Mm-hmm. Robin saw him twice that week. <laughs> yeah. So that's a fan, yeah. Yeah, they because they played like three hours, three and a half hours. It was exhausting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean about Zeppelin. I don't. We don't want to offend any Zeppelin fans out there. But I've always liked Jimmy Page. Yeah. I, he's he's just fascinating to watch, and Robert Plant. I can. I like him, and Robert Plant uh, is more fun these days to not listen to his. You know, he does these albums with all this African influence, and it's mm-hmm. so far away from Zeppelin, which he wants it that way, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't like it. And uh, But interviews with him, even 20 years ago, or from right after, right after he, uh, right after John Bonham died, which was 98? No, 78? 78. I, I know there's an eight. Um, yeah, uh, because um, yeah, it, it was. I think it was '78 because I'm trying to think when physical. I did a whole thing on Live Aid, which happened in '85 on my Facebook, yeah. and uh, 
Bonham was gone. So I think it was like 78. What year was that? Because In Through the Outdoor was had come out. They started a European tour, and then Bonham died. There was an was in- that album, Presence? Presence? It, it had a... That was... Um, it had some blues numbers on it, and it had... Uh, Achilles' Last Stand was on that. And uh, some... Yeah, these... Yeah, there was some big... Yeah, it was it was a real good album. Into the Outdoor was, my wife didn't like it. She was really upset, and they're saying that you know Plant wanted more of a say and how the songs were done. Who knows? I think they peaked with Physical Graffiti and maybe Presence, because mm-hmm. Into the Outdoor. The only thing interesting about that is what album cover did you get? Because there was like six different album covers, mm-hmm. and um, but Robert Plant is a historian of music. He is fascinating to listen to. Uh, there was a woman, Lisa Robinson, I'd never heard of her. She interviewed Robert Plant, like the first interview he did after Bonham died. And I have it on cassette, and then I burned it onto a disc somewhere. It's like an hour. It's his first solo album came out. And he, so he was plugging that. But talking about, you know, didn't really talk about because him and Bonham were were best friends. Yeah, but uh, he just it's finished. The band is over, and then he starts talking about music. And he and he he likes the kid. You know, she's a, a woman, and he likes to. He was very flirtatious, but she wouldn't put up with it. Mm-hmm. And she and uh, he's. I thought we were going to do the interview interview in the jacuzzi, Lisa. You know, <laughs> he's <laughs> saying stuff like that. Yeah. And she goes, "It would be so charming." And she goes, "No, it wouldn't be broadcast quality." She says, "You know, yeah. and it." But it's it's a, from that point on. And now Robert Plant has a podcast. He's had a four or five episodes where it, it, he actually can keep a coherent thought together. Some of these, you know, I call it the Warren Beatty effect. When Warren Beatty used to be interviewed, you know, at a at a movie premiere or the Academy Awards or whatever, he never said anything. Hmm. It was all BS. It was nothing. Yeah. And a lot of famous people do that because they don't... It's kind of like Bob Dylan. It's like none of your business, really. Yeah. You appreciate my talent. Great. I love you. You help give me a great life. But you... My personal life is none of your business. Yeah. You got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, and, and Warren Beatty was a really well, so obvious about it because you know he's been in some iconic films. Yeah, uh, but uh, this Robert Plant interview is uh, his podcast is, is is he's funny. You know, there's a band out there. Oh gosh, what is their name? They are trying to sound like Zeppelin. They have a funky name. They're East Coast. Oh. I'll think of it. Are they somebody new? Or? They're new. Okay. And there's two brothers, and you know they're just out of high school, I think. I'll think of their name. Um, and Robert Plant talks about him. He goes, "I'm jealous." You know, he like he laughs about his age. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm no, I can't do that stuff anymore. And he, oh gosh, what's the name of him? But yeah, there's a band out there, and they've been in, they played at uh, Coachella. Yeah, it's funny. Pete Townsend, he'll joke about his age as well. <laughs> and we we saw them out at um, Indian Wells. Wow, um, you've seen the Who quite a few times, I think. Yeah, four Anaheim times, four times. Indian Wells, oh, yeah, but yeah. And uh, each time they're better. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. But uh, he he gets in he 
jokes about his age and someone told him to jump or something. He goes, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> My knees are gone. My yeah. knees are shot. I've had surgery on both knees. I can't jump yeah. up and land. I mean, for a long in. time there, his, his hearing was yeah. in question. And then he, he broke his hand one tour yeah. when they were doing Tommy or Quadrivina. I don't know. Yeah, and he, he made had a, a reference to uh, getting hit in the face and getting his nose broken by Daltrey's mic. <laughs> way of daltrey had that way he he, he says yeah i just misstepped and walked right in front of it yeah (laughs) there's always a little bit of sadness with the who because i love keith moon Mm -hmm. i just loved it he's my favorite drummer i mean i I mean all right ringo you're you're number one but keith moon blows my mind he off the drum kit he's a lunatic i he just can't be straight about anything I don't know what the deal was with Keith Moon, but in the drum kit, he just got this serious look on his face and was like, that was, he was born to do. And he played like no one else. Yeah. His mathematics was, is just so spot on. Yeah. And and he did really good vocally too. uh, Bellboy. Yeah. Yeah. Quadrophenia. That was one of my favorite Who songs. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Quadrophenia. Wow. (laughs) Even going back a few years, yeah, Tommy was they, wow. You know, they talk about Quadrophenia being such a big flop, but man, I loved that album. Uh, me too. I really liked it. You oh, know, and you, cool. I mean, it, for the senses, I mean, it's the ultimate headphones album. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the sound of the ocean the and, story. And, the, and the story and the stereo and the, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's, well, yeah, I think the, we've hit, hit a. The two groups. <laughs> I think we've hit a point here. I mean, what? I'd like to continue at some point, but I think sure. uh, you, it's a, a good place so. to stop and uh, get back on track. Get back on track. Yeah, I, I, I have a tendency to meander, but I uh, appreciate you talking with us today and sure. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, continue this sometime. Yeah, you know, along with the Swing Auditorium, you, you mentioned about leaving San Bernardino, but we really didn't have to mm-hmm. because all the bands that came to LA eventually ended up in San Bernardino. And um, was, we, we was had uh, a big venue there. It was uh, Orange Show Speedway. And ah, okay. you know, that, that would probably hold maybe 20,000, 30,000 people. Right. And it, they, uh, they had a few big events there. One I was at is when I first got back from Portland, um, was uh, headlining band was uh, what year would that be black that was probably 75 okay black sabbath hmm um leonard skinner wow Peter you saw Frampton. the original leonard see i know this will be another discussion because you've seen a lot of bands that i r- never saw that i would have loved to have seen and there's just two right there um uh, Almond Brothers, I never saw them. Oh, Almond Brothers. See? Yeah, that that's another Portland story. Yeah. Well, I saw them twice in one week. Awesome. All and, right, uh, I'm going to write Almond Brothers down because we'll talk about the Almond Brothers because they're one of my favorite uh, bands. Marshall Tucker Band opened. Marshall Portland. Tucker Band. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I wasn't really into that yandra, um, that uh, country or southern rock, southern rock sound at the time. But, uh, but after, I mean... Those were the two bands, yeah. Leonard Skinner and, well, the Allman Brothers are, are, I think, on a plane up here. Mm-hmm. Um, That's when, you know, the original with Dwayne yeah. and Greg were both, you know, the original band. Right. And 
they were doing. Yes, yeah, so this was around the time of Ramblin' Man and Jessica. Mm-hmm. That and uh, well, the album I think tour was uh, Brothers and Sisters. Right. Was the album tour, but that yeah. was a good show. But the Orange Hill Speedway, it was uh, Black Sabbath, and you know that was good. And Leonard Skinner, Peter Frampton. Right. This was before Frampton Come Alive. Oh, before, just, okay. Just I, before I saw that. that tour. And then... Who uh, didn't? <laughs> Who didn't buy the album? Browns, Browns, <laughs> Brownsville Station. Okay. Smoking in the bathroom. They opened up the whole show. <laughs> yes, and indeed. And they got the crowd pumped. They, they had that charisma mm-hmm. to get everybody going. And then Peter Frampton came out. You know, knowing, you know, he was some guy from Humble Pie. Right. And, Rhythm uh, guitar player, I think. He, uh, yeah, it was good. And, uh, Gosh. Now, where'd you see the Elman Brothers? At- some in Portland. In Portland. Yeah. And yeah. then some, I, I went with a friend of mine. She got tickets. Oop. And we went with her sister, her sister's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really care much for it. And her uh, sister uh, got tickets to see the Allman Brothers, the same concert in uh, uh, Seattle. So wow. we drove to Seattle three days later. It was just her sister and I went and saw the Allman Brothers again. And that was fun. But, uh, wow. Yeah. It was just a fluke thing. The great mm-hmm. thing about it is I didn't have to pay for any of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. Heck yeah. All right. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, opening conversation about uh, rock music, the history of rock music in Southern California, specifically as it relates to the Inland Empire, San Bernardino County, the Swing Auditorium. And thanks, Bill, for being with us today. And we'll have some more fun. Yeah, it looks like you're going to have some editing to do. Yep. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. All right, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We started Old Days New Ways to help people take their old audio and video tech and convert it to the digital age. If you're interested in getting that done or you want to keep up to date with all the awesome offers we have because we know that technology can be a daunting experience, you can go ahead and check us out at www.odnws.com. That's our website, and our two main tabs are Book Now and Learn How. Learn How is our up-to-date offers on how you can learn modern technology, and Book Now is where you can schedule appointments with us to help get your technology transferred to the modern age. So thanks for listening. Tune in next time.